Hallelujah. Praise God for amazing children. Talking about earlier how the young people do it. I don't know. I think it's just God's grace. There's special God's grace over parents that are raising children. I definitely believe because that's a blessing of God. Last Sunday I was supposed to preach, actually. And um, I was frustrated, but for those that know or heard me during the worship, I could barely pull off singing. <laughs> um, I lost my voice, and it was very frustrating. Uh, you would think, you know, sometimes when you don't, you take your voice for granted, you know. And so I've just been battling this thing, and I don't know how, but it's just been so difficult, and I could, I could not understand, like, Lord, I'm a worship leader, and I got to sing, you know, and I, how could this happen? I was frustrated, and um, the Sunday before last, if you remember, Pastor Mark preached about uh, uh, a sermon called, uh, What About the Worm? I mean, uh, what, I'm sorry, uh, Tale of the Whale, yeah, so... And uh, about Jonah, and, you know, he brought us some history behind Jonah and everything that has happened to him and how the Lord provided a plan, but then uh, the worm ate it, and he was frustrating. He was just sitting there, oh, my plant, you know, it's gone. So that's what I felt like when I didn't have my voice. And it was, I was just sitting there and whining. It really was. But at that, mo- at that point, when that was happening, I didn't think I was, you know... Um, I, I think I had a logical sense to be upset with God. <laughs> but um, anyway, so it was really frustrating. I couldn't speak, and I couldn't use my baritone voice with Alita, you know. Like, Alita, go to sleep or something like that. It, would, <laughs> it was like a whisper, Alita, go to sleep. And she's like, no, Papa. You know, it was, I couldn't, it's so ridiculous how much <laughs> that impact that has, you know, your tone with your children. And um, if that wasn't enough, sometimes, you know, across the room, I'm trying to ask Larissa to do something. And, you know, when, you're, when you lost your voice, and any of you who experienced that before, you know when you, you can't speak, but then if you want to be heard, you pretty much have to yell. Like, hey, Larissa, can you pass me that? That's what it sounded like. And she was like, why are you mad? What's wrong? Are you all right? You know, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm fine. I, I'm just trying to talk. I couldn't, you know, because otherwise I have to whisper. So it's, it was difficult. Uh those parents that have, you know, uh, raised kids, sometimes you got to say something across the room. Sometimes you communicate with your husband or wife across the room. If somebody's upstairs, you're downstairs, and you have to say something. It's normal. But then I would have to explain. But by the time I'm done explaining that, I, I wasn't yelling at you. I was just, I was so exhausted. Uh, my voice is strained, and I could barely say anything. In the end, I'm just like, you know what, I'm just going to go sit in the bath and cry. Like, not in that sense. But I was, I was taking a hot bath. I was doing everything I can to finally, you know, get better. And, uh, and I'm sitting there just literally singing that song. Lord, I need you. Oh, I really needed the voice back. Uh, it impacted my everyday routine, you know, answering calls at work and things like that. I couldn't do it. And, but then the Lord started speaking to me, you know. When's the last time? You worship me. And I'm like, Lord, I'm, I lead worship every week, you know. When's the last time you w- worship me? And I just kept hearing that voice of God in my heart. And and it finally hit me deep inside. I'm like, I don't remember last time I just, you know, turned on some worship and just closed my eyes and cried and bawled my eyes out. You know, that's how sometimes when the Lord really hits me, I mean, that's how I experience worship. And I'll, I'll be honest, I'll, I'll confess here. We're one family, amen? So, and uh, I sat there, though, you know, um, 
and I had my headphones on. And so afterwards, I, I was done with the bath. So then I just went for a bike ride. So I have my headphones on, and I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Because I'm going to go down KGB on the side. There's a sidewalk. And so I'm riding my bike. I got my headphones on, and I really get it. I'm like, Lord, I get it. I, I, it's been a while, and I'm doing this. And it was so amazing. So I'm listening. You know, I think I had Michael W. Michael w. Smith on or something like that. And I'm thinking, Lord, I give you my heart, you know. I'm sure from the outside it sounded, you know, like a heavy metalist because like, Lord, I give you, and I picked up my headphones just to hear, because I had the, one of those soundproof, you know, uh, noise cancellation headphones. I picked up my headphones. It was like, I give you my soul. So if somebody was to hear me from the outside, they wouldn't think I was giving my soul to the Lord. It was, it was really, it was very difficult, but you know what? In the inside, I was, I, I was crying and I, it didn't matter at that point. I was just, Lord, I, I'm so in love with you. I just poured out my heart. I'm like, and I don't remember the last time I did that. And I get it, Lord. I finally get it. And if, when it finally hit me, you know, I, when I started praising God, um, I started to get my voice back. And, and all the Lord wanted was to spend one-on-one time with me. You know, at that time, I didn't understand it. I was upset. You know, ugh, like Pastor Mark was talking about the worm that ate Jonah's leaves, <laughs> the tree. I was like, that worm ate my voice. And it was difficult. And it was, it was challenging. All right. So that's my testimony. I am just, even during the worship this week, uh, uh, I, when we, we started worshiping, and I had to catch myself because I kept wanting to cry. I'm like, I can't believe I'm singing. It's been three weeks. I can, I can pull off a lot of these songs. So what a blessing it is to have our voice, you know. Uh, what a blessing it is. Because uh, we don't treasure it a lot of times until we lose anything. Amen? So... Um, I wanted to start out with that. There was a story, and I'm sure you may have heard about it. Um, uh, so in this atheist school, and I heard that in uh, Soviet Russia. But uh, so the atheist teacher is teaching a class, and uh, you know, she's pretty much making fun of God. And she tells children, hey, children, you know, let's point our fingers to the sky and say, there is no God. And she noticed this little Christian boy sitting there. <clears throat> not doing it. She's like, why are you not doing it? She's like, well, one, I believe in God. And two is, if there's no God, why are you guys screaming at him? <laughs> and so, you know, and then the teacher got really upset and furious, like, you know, oh, you kind of put me on the spot, you know. And she's like, well, children, guess what? This little boy believes in this uh, Bible and these fairy tales that uh, a fish swallowed a man and then spit him out three days later and he was alive can you believe that and everybody's ha 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 you know and um and then she asked the boy again she's like so what do you think and he's like you know what miss johnson or whatever the teacher's name was she's like even if the bible said that jonah swallowed a fish swallowed a whale i would have believed that <laughs> And I was just, a sh- <laughs> that, that probably, that was then, you know, that she probably got really mad after that. So, um, I love our children. Children, a lot of times, have the most amazing kind of wisdom. And that was amazing. So anyway, so two Sundays ago, Pastor brought us an amazing message, uh, message called Tale of the Whale. About Jonah, you know, and everything that we just touched on. Um, but it would have been perfect for me to preach that Sunday, right, the following, because it would have been in line with Pastor Mark's message, because my message was called, What About the Worm? So, 
tail of the whale? What about the worm? But I wouldn't have had that experience since building up to that, that the Lord was working on me during this week about this message. So hopefully I want to share that experience with you and uh, to look at book of Jonah through the eyes, you know, through our lives. Because the more I started reading that book, the more I started seeing myself in so many ways in that book. But uh, pretty much I want to touch on this God's promise and God's provision in our life. And how God does that is incredible. That how God could use absolutely anything in our lives and turn it for his own good. Even when we're disobedient, when we're not listening to the Lord. So let's open up um, Jonah chapter 1. No, Jonah chapter 4, starting with verse 5. And I think I have that on the first slide there. You will probably won't be able to see that. You can pull out your phones if you'd like to read it, but I'm going to read it out loud. So, Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. So, he's in the passive position, you know, not proactive. Waiting to see what happens. Verse 6. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. He loved plants. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it weathered, withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die, and he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. And he took his plant really serious. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? How many of, you, how many of us get mad about dumb little things? Yeah? I do. (laughs) So here's what's happening with Jonah. He's mad about the plan. It is, he said. And I'm so angry. I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plan, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. Some of the stuff we're worried about, you know, is temporary. And before, you know, it even has the time to develop. It's already over. But that's us, you know, as humans. Verse 11. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left hand, and also many animals. So, without any climatic ending, that's how the book of Jonah ends. So, it's pretty interesting. So, um, I have a testimony, another one also that will go alongside with this, that where the Lord was working with me through that. Uh, a few of my soccer teammates, and some of you that may not know, Michael Biswell, Alan Berg, we play on the same team together, Christ United FC. We've been playing for years, and it's been an amazing experience, and uh, it gave us an outlet to, uh, you know, just to have impact on other guys, to have impact on the referees, on our opponents. We try not to argue with the referees, you know, but we are human, and sometimes we get upset, but we try to do that and uh, not use profanity, just Everything like it, and it's not because a lot of the guys are believers or Christians. Uh, actually, it's just guys that play really good soccer, and then they play with us, and then they get impacted. Like, oh, this is great, you know? Wow, 
I have skills, but I did not know that I could use my skills without actually being angry at the referees and always blaming the referees. That there's still 90 minutes left to play that I can score. Anyways, so this was happening. And then I believe, um, I think last year, so this semi-pro league was kind of starting. And it was so interesting because... You know, this was part of my ministry, and this was kind of my baby, sort of. I've been part of me that I, I enjoyed doing, um, that I was able to actually impact other guys. And and so a couple of the guys um, decided to go, and they're like, oh, cool, semi-pro team. And I said, well, I'm not going to hold back anyone, but I said, hey, we're going to just keep playing. And, you know, when I see it realistically, possibly to develop... Well, we can join the Summit Pro League, you know, or in the near future and things like that. But it's so interesting that a few of the guys just left, kind of didn't say anything. And then when they did, um, they kind of, you know, all those years that I've, I've invested my time and effort into them, you know, providing that atmosphere for, for the guys, even when they wrote about themselves on their new website about, the, you know, this new Summit Pro team, they... They didn't mention anything about Christ's United team, nothing, you know. And for me, it was like, it was a little discouraging because I'm like, well, you know, I, you put so much effort and this is what you get in return. So it really kind of started getting to me a little bit. And, and the other, the main thing that really got me upset is a few of these guys, um, stopped talking to me. And I don't understand because I've, my relationship with them was always consistent. I never stopped saying hi or anything like that. But I noticed in, in indoor and sports complex and stuff like that, that these guys would just walk by me, don't say anything. And I couldn't understand for the longest time. And it wasn't until later that I found out that uh, that team was saying some things about me. And it wasn't unfair that I said that about these guys and about the other team, which I didn't. Anyways, but I was frustrated. And I was, one evening, I was really just, it was heavy on my heart. And um, I was talking to our other, my teammate, and Paul, he's a youth pastor at Church on a Rock. And I was like, man, you know, I just don't understand. And But when we discussed this, I kept hearing the voice of the Lord saying, don't tell your story too soon. And it, it will make sense a little bit later on, but I, I'm going to talk about it a little bit later. But don't tell your story too soon. And we just prayed together, and the peace of God came over me, you know, and I'm like, wow, rejoice in the Lord, and that scripture came, and I, I think, um, I'm not sure where it's written, but it says, rejoice in the Lord always, and say again, rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, in prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So I just said, Lord, you know, I just give me peace, and uh, so I wouldn't have to worry about anything. But we ended up actually, that last fall, ended up winning the state Alaska State Tournament, which was so much fun. And I'm thinking, wow, Lord, you're faithful. I, I didn't do, I didn't have to do anything, but you just showed your grace through this whole process. And I just kept peace of God throughout this whole time. And it's so interesting that within less than a year now, some of these guys that left, they want to come back and they want to play with us this coming up tournament, which is next weekend. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty interesting. Now I see things. Because the thing is, if I looked back, I would have been only reflecting on all my pain and all my, like, frustration. Same with my testimony. I said, if I looked back on that time where I lost my voice, if I just looked at the pain, I would miss that there's a purpose happening behind it. Yeah. So that's what started happening here. And I'm like, oh, okay, Lord, I get it. But, you know, it's the course of a year. So sometimes there's certain situations in our life right now that we don't understand that are happening, and you're like, well, this is not fair, or 
Well, this stinks. But have faith. We're people of faith. Amen? And God is always doing something because, I'm going to end on that, but Romans 8.28, for God is faithful. He works together. Uh, he works for those that love him. Everything works out for the best. All right. So let's uh, keep going. Let's go back to Jonah. So it's hard, you know, to do Jonah justice because we usually compare him when we say, oh, this legendary loser of the Bible, you know. He ran from God. And, you know, I, I analyzed myself like, I probably would too, you know. <laughs> because the Lord told him, and Pastor did an amazing job uh, giving us history behind it. He told us to go to these barbaric people, these very scary people, modern day terrorists. Like imagine going to ISIS or Al-Qaeda. That's what pretty much the Lord told him to do uh, in the country of Assyria. And he's like, Lord said, hey, you're going to go and you're going to preach to these people and tell them that I'm going to destroy their city. I bet, you know, part of him in that second said, oh, yeah, destroy the city. Okay, I like that, you know. But no, I think Jonah was just completely scared. And I started to understand the human factor. You know, when God uh, tells us to do something, and we don't always want to do it, and we know what we should do, but we, we're not doing it. So we automatically associate Jonah with running away from God. Um, so all of us are running from something to something. And this is the interesting theory that I think, and this is not, this is just my opinion, but in Jonah 1.5 says he was asleep. So what happened was he goes, he gets on the boat, but he was asleep during the storm as he was running away from God. And the storm hit, but he was asleep. So that's why I think he was asleep during the storm. Normally people would like see any shakes, you know, and stuff like that. They would be alert. Like if any of us knew our movement, you know, when the earthquake was following up with all those uh, aftershocks, it's, it's hard to sleep through that. I mean, unless, you know, you took some medicine or NyQuil. Uh, but Jonah was sound asleep. And I think he actually didn't know at that point, at that time, maybe that he was running away from God. And here's why. So... Like I said, sometimes God tells us to do something we know we probably should do, but like, eh, I'm not going to do that. And, um, but when I was studying this map, when I was analyzing like where Jonah was and where God told him to do, so it turns out that where God told Jonah to go was 500 miles away from where he was. And where he ran from God was 2,500 miles. You know, sometimes you got to work harder to disobey God than to do what he told you in the first place. And this is what's happening right here. So he goes out and, you know, he gets himself a ticket. Um, there's this, uh, he goes to Joppa, and that's, there's a port there. And so he pays the fare, you know, to purchase that ticket. And sometimes, you know, it costs you to run away from God. Here he goes. He pays the fare to go on that boat. All right. But if we were to ask, you know, Jonah... Like, hey, what do you think you're doing? You know, I think he would say, hey, I was being logical. I'm, why should I go preach to the people, you know, that are just horrible people, that are just killing other people? They're just barbaric. And so that's why I think he, he, you know, had a good reason, I guess, to explain. Like, well, I, I don't want to go. And that's it. So I started to analyze things, and I started seeing Jonah's perspective a little bit more. But don't tell your story too soon. Here we go. Because we're, um, in, when we're in the middle of a story, it's not simple. So Jonah's in the middle of a story. I'm sure he wasn't writing this book 
as he was traveling, right? He wrote it after a later when he was already analyzing it. So, but when we're in the middle of something that we're going on right now in our lives, it's, it's hard to find joy or see the purpose that's happening bef- behind it. When we're disciplining our kids, you know, when kids are screaming like, ah, it's hard to envision them as future doctors or something like that. You know, it's, it's kind of a logical sense to just be frustrated. So, but perspective comes with reflection. Only later, like, oh, I'm so proud of you. Okay. You know, so that's what's happening. You know, our growth in the Lord, our uh, everything and cycles of life. So, um, but Jonah's perspective of all of the, everything that happened didn't come until he was, when the storm hit, when he was swallowed by the fish and everything that he went through after res- re- resenting what God told him. And he, you know, only then later he say, I was running away from God. I didn't know it back then, but until the storm hit. And a lot of times, God sends us, it's the storm in our life that causes us to wake up and to realize, like, whoa, what am I doing? But, you know, a lot of us, <laughs> when storm hits in our lives, I mean, I'm, start, I'm talking about myself and, uh, you know, being in church for a while, we start blaming everything on the devil. You know, everything is the devil. That's, you know, and I was thinking, that's one advantage of people that don't go to church have advantage over us. They don't have a devil to blame to deal with their issues. You know, we just, we just hang it on the devil. That's the devil. Devil made me do it. But here's what's happening. The Lord wants to work directly with Jonah in this, in this process. So back to Jonah 1, 3. Um, chapter 1, verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to, for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, which we talked about, he went aboard this and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Here's God allowing the storm to come in in Jonah's life because he didn't want him to just sit there, you know, and be content in his complacency. So verse 5, all the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. I love this. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he laid down and fell into deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take a notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let's cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They casted the lots and it fell on Jonah. Don't you just love how God will use everything to his advantage? These guys are casting lots and God's like, Why not? Let's point it to Jonah. And... uh God wasn't in it, but he will work through it. Amen? A couple of weeks back before, Pastor Mark talked about God wasn't in it, but God will work through it. So here's God using every little thing, every little situation for his good. Verse 8, so they asked him, tell us, who's responsible for making this trouble uh, for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? What, uh, from what people are you? He answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord. The God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? Dude, your God is awesome. He, they're pretty much like, are you serious? You're, this is the kind of God you're running from? Verse 11, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked them, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? 
Pick me up and throw me in the sea, he replied, and it will be calm. Instead, they tried to row back to the land. These guys were, seems like pretty legitimate guys, nice guys. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. So they're ready to take whatever is necessary. They already casted a lot of, uh, they tossed their cargo over the ship to lighten the boat. So, you know, these sailors are not believers, but here's God using this opportunity. And these sailors are like, now, we love God. We believe you're God. And here they are. Uh, God is using everything to his advantage. So do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you please. This is sailors, you know, praying to God. Then they uh, took Jonah. You know, I'm sure it wasn't easy. It was awkward during that moment. He's like, they look at him like, okay, we're going to toss you. And, and I noticed, why didn't Jonah just jump over? Like, you know, obviously because he was a human. He was like, well, I know what probably needs to happen. But I still don't feel like it. I don't feel like dying. But they had to do that. So here they are. They just, Lord, sorry, but we're going to do this. And they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. Immediately, everything's calm. At this, this is amazing. Just think of it. These are the guys that are experiencing this incredible things before their eyes. At this, at this, the men, verse 16, greatly feared the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. So here they are, and they're just worshiping God. And I love that Pastor Mark also touched on that. Uh, he said sometimes it's not, it's not because of you, but it's who you hang out with. So when we look at Jonah, so these guys are good sailors. They had nothing to do with this, but they got caught up with the wrong person that they didn't realize that, that they were bringing them down. And I remember one time at a youth convention, uh, a few years back, I shared a message, and my message was called "Throw Jonah Overboard." And I was, I was, re- I was more directing it to a lot of teen girls who, um, you know, were in bad relationships. You know, Jonas that were dragging them down. You know, and some of us, you know, it's uh, Jonah's not on our board, but he could be on our phone. It could be on our friends list. It's it's a person sometimes that you hang out with, and but after you hang out with them, you're like, oh boy, I just feel so heavy and unpleasant. And, you know, the Lord has given us this awesome option to swipe and delete, you know, the contact. So sometimes that's the, the holiest thing you can do. The best thing you can do for your own safety and for your own family is just to cut out negative people out of your life. You know, it's so interesting because First Corinthians 15.33 says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. The more you hang out with bad company, it will it will affect your character. So you begin to deplete your resources as these sailors were doing. And, you know, that's what bad relationships do. Some people, you know, are, they have, maybe you know uh, someone that has a, like a son, maybe a millennial son or something that's sitting in the basement of their parents and just depleting their resources of parents. You know, I'm a millennial, I can say that. So nobody can get offended with me. Um, and then... <laughs> They literally are just sitting there and depleting the resource of their parents. And this is what's kind of a, what's happening here. Uh, and I actually saw this video one time. Uh, some of these, I don't know if you heard of Antifa. These guys supposedly that are fighting fascism. But this is so interesting. And this one video was caught on the news. Because these guys, Antifa guys, they pull up, put on these dark masks. They dress up all black and scary. But it's more of like, I think, 
so that nobody could see their faces. But um, one time this mom uh, and this uh, black lady, she shows up and she's looking for her son. And she realizes that's one of the guys that are out there, these Antifa guys. They're running around destroying property. And uh, she realizes she pulls the mask off him and she's just slapping him across the face. And it's so interesting that you can probably find this video on YouTube. Um, and you can actually hear what she's saying. She's like, I'm providing for you. I feed you, you need nothing but, you know, this and that. And you're, you're just sitting in my basement eating all that. And this is what you do. You destroy other people's property. And she literally walked him out by his ear. It was, it was incredible. But, you know, this is talking about people that are not doing anything good. You know, there are people like that. Sometimes it could be somebody in your life or a friend that, you know, anytime you hang out with them, they're always, well, I need this and I need that. And I'm not saying, you know, there's nothing wrong with helping and assisting people in need. Uh, but there's people that will not only deplete you, but they will bring you down. And um, you won't feel so good. So that's why I love this book of Jonah. Because I'm starting to relate even more and more. You know, I've seen myself run 2,500 miles away from God. When God just wanted me to do, you know, something that simple that was in front of me. So... Problem or provision. That's my next topic, uh, part of this um, message. So, verse 17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish, whale, to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Oh, that's, that's a long time. <laughs> yeah, not seeing anything. Um, I didn't know how God, you know, got the whale and how he positioned him, you know, at the right time, at the right place. Um, but the scripture clearly says God provided the fish. You know, I don't know how God spoke to um, the whale. Uh, it's interesting to me uh, that I'm thinking like, how did the Lord speak to the whale? I love watching Discovery, you know. And I, I don't know if you watched uh, anything about whales and they j- transmit these ultra sounds. You know, I don't know if anything it was like Finding Dory. We're like, the Lord is like... <laughs> Go get Jonah. <laughs> Maybe. Um, you know, I I just love watching stuff about, you know, uh, about everything that's under the water, really. Discovery Channel. Um, but it's fascinating because me, uh, me and Larissa were celebrating our four anniversary. We were driving alongside and we were hoping to spot a whale so we can stop and look at one of, you know, the breached whales. Just to look at their magnitude and the size of these guys. But sadly, we didn't see any. And Larissa's pulling up the facts and stuff like that. She's like, did you know that the sound that they make, uh, you know, the echolocation, they can travel up to 10,000 miles. It's pretty incredible. But yeah, so God is using his you know, way of communication. And so he tells, go get Jonah, you know. And the whale goes, okay. <laughs> Something like that. And so here's what's happening. Um, so God delivers the whale to rescue Jonah. So I guess it turns out to be that the book of Jonah is about book of, you know, about deliverance. So has there been time in your life, though, where um, God rescued you from situation? Um, that your own disobedience created. I, I've had it plenty of times. And it's amazing how God does that. God is so amazing and sovereign. So God saves, uh, saves the Jonah, and accommodations weren't that luxurious, you know. Think about it. Uh, he could have sent a, you know, a cruise ship to pick him up, you know. Real Caribbean, I don't know. Uh, at least a freight line or something like that. But instead, he puts him in this dark place 
where there's no light. Uh, and I'm thinking, why? Because if God rescues us a lot of times from our trouble, and it makes it too comfortable for us too quick, and we would be way too quick to get back into it. And so God has given this time of darkness, this time of our challenge right now that we're not seeing, you know, this warm or whatever that you're facing in your life and you don't know what's happening. He's given us that dark time to analyze, to come to realization of what we should do. So he says, I'm going to put you in a dark place, Jonah, so you can remember what disobedience feels like. What I notice, though, sometimes that we miss God's provision because, you know, we're so picky. Um, we don't like how it's turning out. We don't like who God sent us to pick us up with. You know, how to pick us up with. And sometimes it could be the randomest person that comes across your life and you, person that you least expect, person that you don't like maybe, and you're like, all of a sudden they're reaching out to you. I had a privilege of serving other people before. And it's so incredible. It's so incredible to be able to do something good for the people that did not do you well, that that spoke negatively of you. So when I was in college in Seattle, I remember this, and I remember that actually yesterday, and I picked up a hitchhiker. And Seattle, you know, there's different traffic patterns than it is over here. So it's really busy, but I ended up doing it. Um, that was the season of my life where I picked up hitchhikers. Um, probably don't do that right now with kids in my car, but if I do, uh, I'm probably going to be by myself, and I'm going to preach to them, because they'll listen to me, so <laughs> they have no other choice, um, so I picked them up, we stopped at a gas station, and I was, and so I'm filling up, and I'm like, hey, you know, you, you probably, be, you're probably hungry, you can go in the gas station and get some food, and I'll be in there real quick, and I'm going to pay for it, and he says, well, actually, um, there's a McDonald's over there. And I said, oh, okay. And, in the, you know, in the city, like, there's a McDonald's sign. But in order for me to get to McDonald's, but I was like, okay, whatever, I'm going to do it. We have to take the exit, come across, loop around. You know how it is in the bigger city. So it took me an additional 10 minutes, but I did it. So um had to go across the high five. I still remember this so clearly. It's so interesting. But... um not only that, you know, what didn't help is I was fasting during the time. Uh, I was actually fasting and praying. So this wasn't helping to pull up to McDonald's and smell this delicious food. Yeah, I know some of you think negatively of McDonald's, but I think they put some magic sprinkles in there that I somehow <laughs> makes it delicious. Uh, so here I am, you know, I'm fasting um, and I'm getting some food for this. So I start my order, you know, and I was about to start ordering from like McDonald's. Mc, Mc, whatever, McDonald's value menu, um, you know, cheaper, obviously. I'm a college student. And uh, right when I'm ordering, this guy interrupts my order and says, well, actually, I'll take a quarter pounder, hold the mayo, hold the onion. And I said, okay, well, whatever he wants, okay, th that, um, then he says, and some chicken selects. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and uh, and he, the guy didn't look like he was starving, but, you know, my, my, but my compassion was starting to run low at this time. So, so quarter pounder, hold the mayo, hold the onions, and chicken salads. And then he's like, and some fries. And I'm like, okay, and some fries, please. <laughs> and, um, and then I was like, okay, well, I think we're, um, and then he's like, biggie size. Okay, so that means everything is in a bigger size. And then, you know, 
he took it to the next level. I thought we were done. And he's, he says, and I'll have a McFlurry. And I said, no, he will have water. I just could not, you know. So, but isn't it interesting, though, how, you know, I'm thinking like in my head, you know, I'm a Christian. I wouldn't say it out loud. But I'm thinking, dude, you should be grateful you got a ride. But isn't it interesting that you, you go from, I need a ride to, I'll, I'll take some chicken selects and that and stuff like that, you know. And this is what's happening with Jonah, you know. Now, because I'm thinking, I'm like, dude, I just picked up the guy and I'm spending $40 in the drive through And I'm losing my time and where I need to be. And I'm a college student. I don't have much money. But, you know, I, I went through it. Praise God. It was awesome. Um, God used that opportunity for me to speak into that guy's life. So how it, how it had an impact, I don't know. But God taught me patience, and I'm glad I held it together besides the part where I said, and he'll have water. He will not have a, he will not have a McFlurry. I nearly lost there, right there. Um, but here it is, you know, Jonah's like, man, you know, uh, I don't like how it smells in the whale. He talks about it, you know, he's got this weed ar- around his neck, you know, around his head. Uh, so, and in chapter two, Jonah's crying out to God. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. And then he says, you did this. You hurled me into the depths. Your waves and this. And so he's whining. He's complaining, right? Um, and then he's, you have, you know, I've been banished from your sight. Uh, the deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. So, you know, he, he's looking like, you know, um, He's not liking the environment or what the Lord has sent, you know, sent the whale to pick him up. He's he's not liking the accommodations. So, but then, which is incredible, verse 9, there's a shift that happens. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah unto the dry land. So he was like the Lord saying, you're done. You know, there goes Jonah. And, you know, I don't think there's a coincidence that when you look at verse 9 and verse 10, that in verse 9 he starts praising God. And after Jonah gets grateful, he's then spit out the next day incredibly that immediately he's released after that. When we start praising God in an uncomfortable situation, we start lifting up and like what I was sort of when I started lifting up the God's name and my voice was just ridiculously difficult. You know, it was, it was painful and it didn't sound good. But as soon as I started praising Him, I felt presence of God come into my life. So here's what's happening: this shift, and the, the, Jonah finally gets it. He's like, "I'm going to be praising God," and he so he starts being grateful, and God starts to act immediately. And right as that's happening, I believe when we start praising our image, our things, how we perceive things start to change. All of a sudden, we're like, oh, I get it, why this was happening. So when you get grateful, when you start praising God, mountains begin to move. Amen? I remember, yeah, Paul and Silas, they started praising God. You know, in prison, they were captive. Started praising God in the middle of the night. The shackles were broken. The jail opened up. That's what praise can do in our lives. 
Hallelujah. Gratitude is the gateway into the provision of God. And I just came that into my own conclusion that I am going to, from now on, say gratitude is a gateway to the provision of God. And I don't think, you know, at that time, Jonah, when he, when he, do you think when he saw a whale, as, you think he saw that as a provision? He's like, here he is sinking and top it all that off. He's like, at least I can sink in cold water. I can maybe fall asleep and drown peacefully. Um, there comes the whale, you know. I don't think at that time he saw that as a provision. But what I noticed, though, um, when I started studying the Hebrew text behind it, you know, nowadays it's incredible what you can do with Google. And it's not because I'm knowledgeable. It's actually Google. It's so easy. But I started <laughs> searching um, about the meaning of, I mean, the, what God provided. So, and in the Hebrew Bible, it said actually, God provided, it said mana, mana. It's M-A-N-A-H. Was used four times. So in English, it means to appoint or to provide. That's what uh, our scripture says. God provided the whale. So mana. So if there's one thing that I learned over the course of my four years in my life, that God provides. You know, four years of my marriage, I should say, not of my life. I'm 33 right now. Okay, but God provides. There's been so many times where I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do. And then the Lord just sends this. And then he sends that. So God is our provider. Amen? So God's provision doesn't always, you know, come, though, in, wrapped in our preferences. You know, God's provision doesn't always come biggie size. It doesn't always come, you know, hold the mayo, hold the onion, things that how we, you know, envision things. So at the time, it didn't look like provision for Israelites. It's actually that same core root word, manna, manna, which God sent from heaven, this, you know, bread to feed the Israelites. Um, It's the same root that manna is used in Jonah four times, four things that God provided. And so, you know, at that time, I understand, in the middle of the story, it looked like misery, you know, it did not look like mana, you know, it was difficult, but only later, you know, after we talked about when Jonah, you know, is able to see, yeah, God sent that whale, huh, I get it. So, oftentimes, you know, today's misery is tomorrow's blessings, today's challenge, or today's misery is tomorrow's manna, um, so the Lord tells Jonah, Jonah gets it, goes to Nineveh. Uh, so he preaches there and says that in 40 days, city will be destroyed. God gives the Syrians second chance. And Jonah doesn't like that. It, you know, it's so interesting. He liked it when God gave him a second chance, but he doesn't like it that God has given the Syrians a second chance, these people that are in Nineveh. So sometimes we want God, you know, to give us provision, but to give other people punishment. We're like, well, the Lord, you did it for me, but that person, he doesn't deserve it. No, he, he, he's mean. He's done so much wrong things. But Jonah, so this is why I'm explaining. So Jonah doesn't like that the package of God's provision comes in. It includes uh, people of Nineveh being saved. So he preaches, his, preaches God's word, not his word. This is so nice. And it becomes effective, which is incredible. Um, he probably didn't anticipate for that to happen. Uh, but God is at the same time while he's working on people of Nineveh, he's actually working with Jonah. He wants, he he got out of the whale, but he didn't get out of himself. So it's the most miserable place to be is locked up in your own understanding of your things, how you envision things to happen. Well, this is the way it's supposed to happen. So that's why he's sitting there angry saying, well, you know, it didn't go how it's supposed to go. It's just not fair. 
That's, uh, you can read that. But how many of us know that God in heaven, and I love that, it says Psalm 115. Our God is in heaven. He does whatever He pleases. So God does whatever He wants. As heavens are higher than our earth, so are, your, uh, so are my ways higher than your ways, the Lord says. And my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah 55, 9, if you want to reference that. So Jonah goes out of the city. He's done preaching. Sits down outside. So this is a nice symbolism of he goes, he sits down outside of his assignment, what God told him to do. Uh, that's what it represents. So he's mad at God. And he, you know, he, he doesn't like what's happening. He's got a bad attitude. But it's incredible that I love that God doesn't wait for our attitude to change to still take care of us. Because God still sends a leafy plant. Because the sun is beaming. And this is, you know, east. And that, it's really, it gets really hot. But, um... So he's sitting there watching, just overseeing what's going to happen. You know, again, passive, not proactive position. The next slide. So God provides the plant. Number two, God provides a plant to comfort Jonah. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow over Jonah to give shade for his bald head. Okay, I, I envision him bald because I'm thinking just the, it adds a little dramatization. You know, it's a little bit more dramatic because it's hot and it's just burning his head. You know, as a kid, I just grew up, th- you know, kind of envisioning that for some reason. And they also, I think I know where I just found the root. Uh, I watched a cartoon, My Beginner's Bible, about Jonah, and he was bald in there. I think that's it. I just realized that. Um, but I like that, you know. So God provides the shade so it's not as uh, hot. You know, he obviously builds himself a little shelter. Um, but he doesn't care much about the people. He likes plants. You know, the Lord's like... Talking to him right here. You know, he's sitting under the plant and says, oh, what a pretty plant. And God is like, well, what about the people, Jonah? Oh, people are unpredictable. I like this plant. So he's just, he's just focused on the plant. And the Lord says, yeah, Jonah, I know you like plants. That's why I provided you the plant. It's like, yeah. But then the Lord is like, hmm, well, now that I see that you're more focused on this plant rather than people... I'm going to have to take that away from you. So if we were writing this story, you know, we wouldn't use manna to describe the, like, the following, the next thing that's coming, okay? So here comes the worm, and look what it does. Verse 7, but at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. So we understand, whale to the rescue, plant to comfort Jonah, but a worm, what about the worm? How How is God using the worm to, it's a God provided, mana. We would not use that to describe that, but that's what's happening. It's that thing in your life that comes just when you settle in comfortably, you know. You got your retirement plan, your umbrella policy, <laughs> everything, you know. And you're like, all right, cool. Then comes the worm. Hmm. So this made Jonah furious. And so next thing comes, uh, number four, next slide. God provides scorching wind. So verse eight, when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. So he's really, really overheating, upset, just a grouchy older man right now. 
Now, God is making sure that Jonah gets back into the city, back to his assignment. And so that's what the Lord provided, that wind, to get him back to his place, to his assignment. So, and it's interesting that anything we built outside of God's assignment, any, like, you know, because it says it built, he built himself a shelter. Whenever we build something outside of what God kind of wanted us to do, it won't last. It will, it will, it will not, it's, it's building a house on sand, not on solid rock. So he's sitting there mad and he's like, why did you take this from me? Why did you take my, you know, plant away? Why did you take my boyfriend away? It could be in our, any of our lives, you know, what did you make to go through that and go through this? And he's just angry. I can totally see him just getting angry and upset about everything. Why did you, and I'm thinking and I'm remembering myself, why did you make my voice? Lord, why could you take my voice away from me when I was in the middle of leading worship and stuff like that? It's difficult, doesn't make sense. But don't tell your story too soon, Vic. That's what I kept hearing. And here's what's happening, same with Jonah. Don't tell your story too too soon. Because when you look through the lens of God, you know, and what God is doing behind, we start to see things behind that, that are happening. So that the whale and the worm... We're working together to serve a purpose in Jonah's life. The WW team, worm and the whale. <laughs> you know, at some point later, you know, when Jonah sits down and he tells a story, as I've said that a few times, and I'm thinking, he's like, at that time, I thought it was misery. I didn't think it was manna. I didn't think that God was providing the worm and all this and the storm. So at some point, he finally you know, sees it, that the whale delivered me, and that even that worm that destroyed my plant, that comforted me, it all came through the hand of God who knows what's best for me. James chapter 1, 2, you know, at that time, I, I can imagine, you know, James wasn't written until hundreds of years later, but I, if James was talking to Jonah, you know, uh, I bet Jonah would say, hey, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, Whenever you face trials or worms of any kind. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Not lacking anything. So, and then you realize that God is not there to kill you. He's trying to keep you alive. Nothing can grow in the comfort zone. Nothing can. I mean, may, maybe barely a few things that are hidden from God, sinful things. But when there's something that God wants to do, it, it requires something, some effort behind it. So you will not be able to increase your muscles. If you go to a gym, if you just, you're like, yeah, I'm going to be a bodybuilder, but I hate weights. It's unrealistic, you know. God is going to have to take something, you know, or allow something to come into your life that will destroy your comfort, so, but just so you could fulfill the calling of God in your life. That's what, it, it can, it can happen, definitely. Um, so now Jonah sees that the same God who sent the storm to wake me up, when we're reflecting on this, and he's reflecting on it now, because, like I said, you know, reflection, only we can reflect on it later, that we can see what's happening. And then the same God who rescued me with the whale, and it's the same God who sent the worm to destroy my plants. Same God who sent the wind to get me back and finish the thing that I needed to do. So, what is our worm? What is the thing that in our life that is eating at us right now? And we're like, this is, I cannot believe this is happening to me. You know, I didn't know that. 
at that time, when I was losing my voice, I didn't know that the Lord wanted to work with me. But that's just the latest testimony. But I have so many of these kind of things where I, if I can reflect back on the things and I'm saying, Lord, you just wanted my attention. You wanted me to complete your purpose, the purpose for me in, in my life. So as I began, and I began to praise him, and then Romans 8.28, and this is what I want to wrap with. So Romans 8.28 says, and we know that all things... All things. It doesn't say few things, right? It says, and we know that all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. Have been, who have been called according to His purpose. He's my provider. He's Jehovah Jireh. Amen? And when you realize, when you start to analyze, and you're like, Lord, I get it. I get it. All of these things and challenges that I faced in my life, they were there to build me up, to build up my perseverance so I can withstand the next challenge in my life. And that in the middle of that, you showed your glory and you showed your favor and you provided, Lord. You used even my own disobedience. And while you were fixing me, working on my disobedience, you provided all these blessings along my way. And now I see, I'm like, wow, You've changed my heart. So here's Jonah reflecting on everything. And years later, I can totally see him just sitting there. And after he written the book, and he's thinking, Lord, you were in the midst of it all. Every, every little thing, every challenging thing that you may be facing right now. I can't believe this person walked out of, out of my life. Or my relationship just out of nowhere disappeared with this person. And you're thinking, why? Why this? Why that? Don't tell your story too soon. God is working in our lives regularly. God is at work. Amen. Let's stand on our feet and uh, have a word of prayer and just surrender to the Lord. Everything that you may be feeling right now that's questionable and you're not sure, like, I can't believe this happened. can't believe I have this situation that I'm dealing with right now. But the Lord is telling us, bring it to your feet. And there's something that's happening behind. I believe that God is moving through that situation in your life.